This is the Pro Football Doc Podcast with Dr. David Shaw. As a practicing orthopedic surgeon who's performed hundreds of procedures on NFL players and as the former longtime head team physician for the San Diego Chargers, Dr. Chow uses his insider knowledge to decipher injuries to a documented 95% accuracy level. He's the Sirius XM sports medical analyst and is quoted everywhere from Sports Center to NFL Live. More than 100,000 followers can't be wrong. And following him on Twitter, looking for his instant insights on injuries during games. Now, Dr. David Chow, the pro football doc. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Pro Football Doc podcast leading into week 15, post week 14. Uh, lots of injuries this week, lots to talk about this week. A very special week. And a very special guest segment where we're going to do something very unique in the Christmas spirit, celebrating a 25th anniversary uh, properly for the month of December here, a special event that we'll talk about. But before we do that, we'll talk about a bunch of things and uh, bring in our producer, Greg Peterson. You talk about things that are special, and here's the one thing that's not special. How are you today? <laughs> I'm doing fine. Busy day. Unfortunately, our, our run of the last few weeks where there hasn't been a lot of injuries has ended. <laughs> yeah, it was a very busy Sunday. I literally couldn't keep up drinking from the fire hose, so to speak, with uh, all the different games. The little war room team at profootballdoc.com kept me up, but literally at the end of the 10 a.m. Pacific time games, you could have dialed me back to before kickoff, put me where you live in Las Vegas, and I wouldn't have been able to hit any parlays. <laughs> I didn't even oh, yeah. know this. I didn't even know all the scores. Um, there was so much stuff. But as always, we got a few good things to talk about here. We're going to talk about Odell Beckham Jr., his injury, but not just his injury, but what Baker Mayfield said about it. Talk about two a little bit. Money lost is money lost. And we'll talk about Cam and his foot surgery a little bit here. We'll try and cover a lot of ground here. But let's start with the Baker Mayfield comments. Did you hear them, Greg? I heard a little bit about them, and you could tell that there was something going on because I recall that there was a play in the red zone in which Oda Beckham Jr. wasn't even in the huddle for it. Well, I don't know what's going on in the building from the outside. We all know Baker Mayfield speaks his mind, and I'm not crushing him for his comments. I think a lot of people did that he was throwing the medical staff under the bus, etc. But essentially, he said things weren't handled correctly. And that's why Odell Beckham still is not 100% and can't run right and why he's not himself. Now, I don't know how much of that is true or not true, but it certainly appeared to be throwing your teammates. And I think everyone would call anyone in the Browns building a teammate under the bus. And then a tiny bit later, Baker Mayfield came out and that he apologized. That wasn't his intention to throw the medical staff under the bus. And he admitted that he didn't know the situation. And it really was out of frustration on his part. I'll give him credit here. He didn't say those medical guys did the wrong thing. He said perhaps things weren't handled right in our training room, right? He used the, the we word, are, so I'll give him credit for that. 
But I thought that was quite interesting uh, on a couple of different levels, probably about a dozen different levels. And I will tell you what a couple of them are. One is I find it interesting that there's a lot of discourse going on in terms of what's happening nowadays with uh, medical care. I mean, look around the league. It's gotten to be the norm. And the norm is what? The norm is Odell Beckham situation or Baker Mayfield complaints. Look in Washington at the Redskins, Trent Williams and his complaints about the medical staff gone public. The New York Jets, Kalechi Osemele and those complaints. Luke Falk in New York with a grievance. The Eagles, who played Monday night, they're always getting talked about. And the Eagles medical staff is always getting criticized, be it for Deshaun Jackson's situation or something else. The Colts, just this week, there was some discord between Frank Reich and what he did or didn't know about Eric Ebron and his ankle and Eric Ebron or his people saying that, hey, uh, they told him about the ankle and he was taking toward all shots. That's, to me... Quite interesting that this is all going on. Heck, even in Cincinnati with the Bengals, there was some uh, issue with Cordy Glenn and the concussion and how he was treated in discourse. So it's kind of gotten to be more the norm in the health and safety era in terms of what's going on. I thought it was interesting. That was the first thought I had related to uh, the whole OBJ and uh, Baker Mayfield thing. The uh, second thing is clearly the problem is that nobody can really say anything. Nobody from the medical staff can say anything because of HIPAA. So they're at a disadvantage. If you look at the Trent Williams example, the team actually said, let's figure this out. Look at the records and see what was done or not done, showing good confidence in their medical staff. But Trent Williams didn't want to do that. So that's an unfortunate thing that we're not going to get the whole story here. And finally, the third thing I thought of immediately, and there were many other thoughts, was who really was Baker Mayfield criticizing? Because in the end, an athlete or a patient is always the final decision maker on whether to have surgery or whether not to have surgery. No one else controls your own body, whether you're a regular Joe walking down the street or a professional athlete. And everyone knows Look, second opinions abound. If you have an issue, your agent helps you, steps in. Second opinions are everywhere. If there was some wanting to have surgery, I mean, it's a group decision. But in the end, it ultimately is the athlete's call. So I don't think Baker was thinking about that when he sort of called out the situation. In some ways, he's second-guessing Odell Beckham's own decision. But he recanted, so good on him for being upfront about it and so forth. I really wasn't upset by that at all, Greg. I mean, I think a lot of people texted me and said, oh, would that have bothered you? I've been asked on radio and other places, would you have done something? First of all, I would hope that the lines of communication were open with me and all players, that they would have just said, hey, what happened here? Why don't we do something differently rather than going around the situation? And, and if it did happen, I probably would have just approached Baker very professionally and said, I'm happy to answer questions. Of course, you'd need to get Odell Beckham's permission first to do to do so. Uh, all good. I don't think it's that big a deal, but I think it's just a sign of the times and 
very interesting times in general. Other topics as we open up uh, Tua, money lost is money lost. Greg, do you think Tua should come out and and get drafted no matter where he goes or depends on how high, maybe go back to Alabama? I think that he should really come out because if he goes back to Alabama, what happens if he gets hurt again? Then he might not ever be able to play in the NFL. So you're going to, no doubt, if you're to lose a little bit of money coming out now rather than if you're able to show for a full season that you're able to stay healthy at Alabama. But you're guaranteed to get something if you come out right now. Yeah, I wrote an article. I strongly think that using his uh, – first of all, I'm glad he's thinking about it. I'm glad he's making the right decision. I will yell and scream at my kids and talk to them very sternly that you better stay in school. But then again, they're not going to be first round draft picks. So, and I still think Tua will be a first round draft pick. I mean, on the one side, I think he's making a very informed decision. Uh, but using his own logic, money lost is money lost. What he was saying is if he drops out of the first 24, the money's different. It is not as good and it's hard to be made up. But obviously, if he gets hurt, hurt again in college, or he doesn't perform as well, that would hurt him tremendously. But my point is money lost is money lost. So go get some money now. I still think no matter what, he'll be in the first round. Do you really think the Dolphins with three draft picks isn't going to use one of them on a quarterback and maybe Tua and take a chance? But also, it's a quarterback-driven league. It's hard to pass up uh, on someone of his talent. He's also a superior athlete. So if he's you know, 90% of what he used to be in terms of mobility, that's still pretty darn good. But here's the other thing. Medically, even if he avoids avascular necrosis, the blood flow thing where the head dies out, he can't avoid post-traumatic arthritis. So he's got a limited amount of miles potentially on his hips going forward. Why would you want to burn those miles in college when you're not getting paid? Look, if he surprises everyone and gets drafted in the second round, that's not the worst thing for him. And here's why. Number one, rehab on the NFL's dime. Number two, if you're a second round pick, you're only controlled by your team for four years instead of five in the first round. And everyone knows the money is made in the second contract. That's where the big money is made. So money lost is money lost. I would say if once he thinks about all the decisions and all the parameters, it's fait accompli that I think he can and will and should come out. And final topic, Cam Newton's foot surgery that was announced right after Ron Rivera was let go. Shout out to my man, Ron Rivera, Coach Rivera. He's a linebacker coach and then coordinator in San Diego. Got to know him his wife and his family well, as solid as a man as can be. And you see the outpouring of respect for him. And uh, he's going to land somewhere else. He'll go wherever he wants to go. But I really don't think – some people made the assumption that Cam announced his foot surgery uh, because of Ron was let go. I don't think the two were related at all. And some people accused Cam of, well, why did he wait so long? He did the same thing on his shoulder. If there's a chance you can get better without surgery – don't you want to take that chance to get better? But at some point in time, if you're not better, there's a clock ticking on how long it takes to recover from surgery. And I believe this time is about his last chance 
to be able to be healthy for March free agency decisions and otherwise. Heck, he's not even guaranteed to be 100% by then. But it starts to push the window of being ready to practice in OTAs and, and off-season program and even, heck, training camp if things don't go exactly as planned. So this was sort of a drop dead for surgery for Cam. and uh, But it does put a little fly in the ointment uh, if the Panthers are thinking about releasing him. They may not be able to because you can't cut an injured player. Uh, if they're thinking of trading him, how he feels and his health will play a role. So he'll be able to control a little more of the agenda now. All right, let's take a break before we get to segment two. Our very special, unique guest talking about a special anniversary and Christmas theme here next up on the Pro Football Doc Podcast. This is the Pro Football Doc Podcast with Dr. David Sheffield. All right, welcome back to segment two of the Pro Football Doc Podcast. Very special occasion today, special guest segment here that in a lot of ways has a lot to do with football and in some ways not a lot, but we're going to do it. I think it's something I want everyone to hear about and it's something fun. As I teased, it's the 25th anniversary of this very special football-related event, and it's part of the uh, Christmas season of giving. And so I want to welcome in our special guest to the show here, Ken Paco Ramirez. (laughs) Thanks for having me, Dave. How's the evening going? We're doing fine. We're doing fine. And so uh, people are probably saying, who is this Paco Ramirez guy, Ken Ramirez guy? What does he have to do with football? I know how good of a basketball player you are, although you can't dunk, but otherwise. But did you ever play football at all? Well, I've never played football uh, other than some flag football years ago in my grade school days. But beyond that, I stuck my efforts to my inability to jump in the basketball arena, and that uh, got me through college. So I must have had something else going on other than the ability to dunk. <laughs> well, uh, Ken's got a lot going on in his life. He uh, used to work for Pepsi. Or, uh, I mean, Coke, right? Yeah, Coca-Cola. There. Yes. Yes. Coca-Cola. And uh, you were number six, right? There were five guys who knew the formula of Coke. You were number six at uh, Coca-Cola. Well, I, I knew that it involved uh, Coca-Cola and water and uh, a bunch of other things. So uh, if that makes me number six, then count me in. The Coca-Cola involved Coca-Cola? Exactly. (laughs) All right. So here's why I wanted to bring on Ken Ramirez. Ken is a longtime executive board member of the Junior Seau Foundation. And, And this marks the 25th anniversary. Makes us feel old, huh, Ken? 25th anniversary of the Junior Seau Shop with a Jock event in San Diego, California. And that's why I wanted to have you on to talk about this super special event. Why don't you tell the listeners about it a little bit? So, uh, again, appreciate you uh, bringing us on, Doc. I know you've been involved uh, with the Junior Seau Foundation 
much as I have, and you've probably been involved since the uh, very beginning with Junior um, 25 years ago. I only had the pleasure of being involved for the last 18 years as I joined Coca-Cola in San Diego many years ago. But, you know, throughout the years, Junior was obviously very interested in giving back to the community that he served, that he grew up in, um, San Diego County, knowing that he was one of those underprivileged youths throughout San Diego County and had to take advantage of certain programs um, in Oceanside as he grew up. Uh, it was important to him to give back to, again, the community that he played in, the community that he loved so much. So um, throughout the years, we had many events, um, the big Seau weekend, charity weekend that we held that included a golf tournament party at his restaurant. Um, over the years, we had an ongoing Thanksgiving uh, program where we served, uh, again, underprivileged families throughout San Diego. The military was a big piece of that. And uh, one of the signature events that he loved, and I think, you know, we both agreed that he probably loved this event the most, was his Shop with the Jock event, where uh, we take 200 kids from the Boys and Girls Clubs around San Diego County, and they have the ability to shop for their families for the holidays. Um, you know, otherwise, these uh, children wouldn't have the ability to shop for their families, uh, put things under the tree, uh, really share in the holiday spirit. And again, it was one of those events that Junior started, has been attended by many Chargers throughout the years, Padres throughout the years, athletes from universities, uh, U.S. Olympic Training Center, you know, many athletes. And again, many it's touched many children uh, throughout the years. And uh, again, as you said, this is our 25th year. Um, it'll be our seventh year without Junior since he passed. But we felt it was important to keep this longstanding tradition happening in San Diego. Well, I mean, you just hit me with the seven years that time. <laughs> That's uh, yeah. It probably doesn't seem that long since uh, our buddy has passed, but um, it has been seven years, unfortunately. Um, and you know, I'm just glad that we're able to carry on his tradition and what he wanted to do in the community. Yeah, I, I, I love the event, and this is why I wanted to talk about it. It's not just my guilt that I'll be out of town for the event uh, <laughs> tonight. <laughs> uh, uh, you, that's you will be missed. I know that you've attended. I I want to say probably all other uh, at least the, the other twenty four, um, unless there was something major going on. Um, but uh, again, we know you you are there in spirit with us, as you've always been a very vital part of the Sayal Foundation. Yeah, well, I just got my dates messed up going to New York, doing a few things with the family, sort of a Christmas, early Christmas in New York, uh, since uh, they don't get to see cold weather here in San Diego. But the reason why I love this event here is a couple of things. Number one, um, you know, the kids write the essay, right? And part of what the event is, is it's the partner with Target, and they've been a great partner, but you spend money, and the first thing you do, first of all, you get paired up with an athlete, whether a professional athlete, a Charger, a Padre, San Diego State Aztec, uh, USD Torero, Olympic Training Center person, you name it. You get paired up one-on-one -on -one with an athlete, one of the kids, and they take you shopping. And the first thing you're supposed to do is get something for everyone in your family, uh, your mom, your dad, your brother, sister, uh, half brother, cousin, aunt, uncle, whatever, 
you're supposed to get something for them first. And with any leftover money, you're supposed to get something maybe for yourself. Mm-hmm. And look, the store kicks in, the foundation kicks in, and, and quite honestly, the athletes themselves often dig in their pocket to make sure, because how heartwarming is it? To me, I love the event because you're helping a kid, but you're helping a kid to be a hero in their own family, to come back with all these Christmas presents for the entire family. And and you know that's got to mean a lot. And the whole point is, it's great that there are a lot of these toy drives for kids or, you know, go get yourself a bike or whatever it is, and the kids deserve it. But the whole point of this is you're supposed to get someone else or everyone else in your family something first, the gift of giving for Christmas. And then at the end, maybe something for you. And look, mm-hmm. uh, if, if, uh, you've been there a lot. I've been there and never seen a situation where the kid has run out of money and either the foundation or the store or the athlete themselves hasn't dug into his or her own, her own pocket to uh, make sure the kid got something nice too. And I know some players that still keep in touch with their kids, you know, and write some letters and things like that and uh, keep in touch. So definitely a very special event. Yeah, I've seen a lot of the players reach into their pocket. I think in recent years, uh, if memory serves, I want to say Billy Ray Smith, you know, at least an additional $100 out of his pocket. Luis Castillo, Jacques Cesaire all seem to come a little bit out of pocket over the course of the years. And obviously, there's been many others because um, they just, you know, see how important it is to the kids. And, you know, over the past few years, I want to say three or four years, we started bringing in a photographer and having that photographer take pictures of the kids and the athletes. And we would give both the athlete and the kid the picture for them to share and for both of them to sign. Uh, We recognize that, you know, this is a big deal. The athletes coming up to us from San Diego State, USD, the Pro Athletes, Challenge Athletes Foundation, you know, we get athletes coming from across San Diego County to participate because it's such a great event. And what they get out of it is so significant. Um, oftentimes it's thank you for letting me participate. This is such a great event. Make sure I come back next year. So just seeing, you know, what the athletes get out of this as well as the kids who are involved is probably that special piece that Junior recognized many years ago. And again, why this was so special to him throughout the years. Yeah, and uh, you know the Chargers are up the road in L.A., but uh, a lot of former San Diego Chargers still come. The Padres have supported it very nicely. A lot of other people come. Donnie Edwards is in town and always comes. Marshall Falk often comes and has helped to host the thing. Any number of people, a long list of people, uh, Trevor Hoffman, Bill Goldberg. I mean, yeah. just uh, a, a wide variety of people. And I think it's really special for the athlete as well as uh, for the kids. And I just still love how it teaches kids the, the meaning of Christmas and giving and, and so forth. I just can't believe it's been 25 years. Yeah, I can't believe it's been, well, 25 years. Uh, again, my participation with the Seau Foundation and this program has been uh, the last 18, 19. It's been so long. I forgot when I first started, but... Again, every year it's something new and it's new faces and the kids, you know, whether they're uh, some of them are returning, most of them are new. And again, new crops of athletes uh, this, the, from the universities and being able to see them interact and give back to their communities. Um, not only does it teach, you know, the children to give back to their families, but it teaches the athletes to give back to their communities through some of this charitable work. So 
it goes a long way. And you're right. I mean, we get a lot of athletes who have been coming year on year. Uh, Goldberg, Dermotti Dawson, a Hall of Fame football player from the Pittsburgh Steelers. Donnie Edwards, Jacques Cesaire, Luis Castillo, you know, Mike Cyphers will fly out from Kansas City. You have the, the Trevor Hoffmans of the world, local UFC fighters, San Diego Goals, San Diego Seals. Every, every organization throughout San Diego uh, wants to be involved in this because Junior was so loved in the community, and obviously he has uh, given back even in his absence. Yeah, and uh, I certainly want to shout out Kira Finkerberg, who runs the event. But uh, how about some of the other board members that are helping you with the event? Yeah, so, you know, uh, Jim Barone, a uh, good friend of Junior's uh, throughout his time here in San Diego, um, has really led these efforts. Um, Mike Kinklar. Um, has also led efforts. Um, Ted Roth has been really involved. Um, you know, we've had support from other board members throughout the course of the year, but it's, and, uh, been a, it's been a small And then group. afterwards, if anyone hears this uh, tomorrow, tomorrow night at Bar One in downtown in Little Italy, Jim Barone's free drinks and food for everyone afterwards, right? Well, just mention blue, code word blue. Your first drink is on Jim Barone. First drink? I think your, your, all your drinks will be on Jim Barone. One drink at a time is on Jim Barone. <laughs> Sounds good. And, and is your new company, your new deodorant company, Body Armor, going to sponsor the Santa Foundation? <laughs> so Body Armor, uh, not deodorant, but uh, the, the best sports drink available on the marketplace um, will certainly uh, be involved uh, the, for the first year, making sure that we're keeping everybody hydrated. Um, from the athletes down to the kids. And then, Dave, as you said earlier, you know, we've had Target uh, Mission Valley store uh, be so involved throughout the years, and it wouldn't have happened without Steve Tapia and his crew. Um, they come in, they set everything up. They actually give us a donation year after year so that they can buy the gift certificates for the kids. So not only are they allowing us to have to interrupt their business during the holidays, they give back to us in, in the form of a donation. They donate pizzas for the kids to eat during the night. And then they have their staff walking around helping us. And I'm certainly, you know, we're all driving them crazy. But big shout out to Steve and his crew at Target in Mission Valley because they have been instrumental in uh, allowing us to move this program forward. Well, thanks for coming on here, Ken. And obviously, uh, we're friends and we have a little fun with each other. But I really wanted to get this on because the, to me, the 25th anniversary is very special. A uh, buddy there was just named to the NFL all-time team, top 100 players as an impact linebacker. And that's special. But I think it's more special that he grew up in the San Diego area and then played the vast majority of his career in the San Diego area and still impacts San Diego with all the different programs and so forth. And thank you very much for carrying on his uh, legacy here. And uh, thank you for coming on the Pro Football Doc podcast. Well, I appreciate it. Uh, have a great time with Kim and the kids in New York. Make sure you spend lots of money on them. And we'll be looking out for you on uh, Pro Football Doc. All right. We'll take a break and we'll come back with segment three the injury rundown and the beast of the week for the pro football doc podcast. More now with Dr. David Chow, the pro football doc. Welcome back to the third and final segment of the pro football doc podcast. I hope everyone found that uh, entertaining there um, and informative. I just, 
felt with the 25th anniversary of the Seau shop with the jock junior was always an original. That was his original idea and program. And I think it was worth talking about as I get into the Christmas spirit headed to New York and doing some family things, Rockefeller center and the Christmas tree and heck Greg, even the Rockettes. Oh, that's tremendous. And I did not know about this until now. I'm someone that I currently live in Las Vegas. I hail from the Midwest. Hearing Ken talk about that program was not just great. It was absolutely tremendous, heartwarming. I'm so glad we had him on. Sounds good. Sounds good. Now we got to get to the business part of the podcast, the injury rundown. One. Yeah, we'll, we'll try and keep it, keep it short and safe. Uh, uh, lots of different injuries. Uh, quarterbacks, uh, Dwayne Haskins with a high ankle sprain, which he played through, and I think he still will uh, continue to play. Josh Allen with a knee issue that I think is minor. Jameis Winston with a hand issue that's really a chip fracture in his thumb. He got a second opinion, and I think he will. He, he finished the game, and I think he will continue to play through. Patrick Mahomes' hand issue is relatively minor. He's going to be sore. He's bruised, but it's nothing structural. Look, uh, Patrick Mahomes' knee, I think, is still affecting him more than anything that his hand might affect him. And I did hear a report. I was talking to uh, Patrick, uh, Pat Kerwin at SiriusXM on my regular thing, and Pat brought up that he heard pregame uh, at one of the broadcasts for the national broadcast that someone said, yeah, he's going to have surgery in the offseason. I've been saying that for a long time, but I hadn't heard that as a fact yet. So it's not a bad thing. It just helps him prevent the kneecap from coming out again. But I still think Patrick Mahomes, in terms of his mobility and explosiveness, isn't fully there yet. I think a healthy Patrick Mahomes runs around Kyle Vanoy, even though Vanoy is awesome. But look, that's off to Mahomes. He, they, they beat the Patriots there. Sam Darnold's hand issue, he just got stepped on. Overall, the quarterbacks are pretty good. I think Daniel Jones not playing Monday Night Football was more a matter of let the rookie take a deep breath with his high ankle sprain. He's not Patrick Mahomes, who played through his high ankle sprain. He's drinking from the, quote, proverbial fire hose. Give him a chance to catch up and take a deep breath there. Matt Stafford, if the Lions want him to come back, I think he's close. He could come back, but that's going to be a little bit of a joint decision there. Uh, running backs, let's run through the running backs. Uh, Darius Geis uh, injured the same knee in which he tore his ACL. And uh, I get it. That's scary for the player. That's scary for fans. Uh, he had a right knee injury where he was on injured reserve this year for a meniscus scope. Finally made it back and looked good. And then now with this left knee injury, but it wasn't an ACL retear, even though it looked scary. Uh, it looked to be a a low-grade, mild MCL sprain, which will not need surgery. That, I believe, has been confirmed now. He's not going to play this coming week in Week 15. He could come back before the end of the season. But I think at this point, he might be best off saying, look, let me just get all the way healthy on my left knee and my right knee, have a great off-season workout, which he hadn't had coming into this year because of the multiple surgeries after the infection in the left knee. And the Redskins got a glimpse of what he can be. He looks pretty spectacular there. Derrick Henry will continue to play through his hamstring issues. And how about those Titans? They're all of a sudden gone from the fringe to potentially winning the division. The other big mystery is uh, 
Josh Jacobs. The man played through that scapular fracture since week seven. So I wonder what happened week 13 with that made him finally miss some practice and where he missed week 14 now. So a little bit of a mystery there. Marlon Mack back with his hand. Let's see. James Conner should be close to coming back from his shoulder. Le'Veon Bell out with an illness. The flu should be better. Dalvin Cook survived with his SC joint. He'll be one week better. Probably close to full form this coming week. And for wide receivers, we covered Odell Beckham a little bit with his core muscle sports hernia issue. And Mike Evans got a pretty good hamstring injury. I think his season is done. Tampa Bay season is done anyways. But I think uh, for all you fantasy football players, I think his season is done. Devontae Parker with a head injury. And DeAndre Hopkins had a head issue but was cleared and returned. Albert Wilson with a concussion issue. Alden Tate with a knee issue. Calvin Ridley was playing well then had an abdominal issue left on a cart. And he's tweeted out that his season is over. I don't think he's going to need surgery or anything like that. But uh, his uh, season seems to be over. At tight end, Noah Fant had a scare. But I think his leg is fine. Mark Andrews, a leg-slash-knee issue. I think he's going to be okay. Nothing structural, didn't look anything like anything bad on video, but the Ravens have a short week against the Jets on Thursday. If not for the short week, I think Mark Andrews would be playing for sure this Week 15 game, but we'll have to follow that along. Jared Cook had a head ish- issue after uh, two touchdowns. Ryan Griffin with an ankle issue. None of it is that severe. And Joku returned to play, didn't do a lot, and even had a fumble. Let's move on to uh, offensive linemen. Weston Richburg is the big one. It was said to be knee and ankle issues, but in-game at ProFootballDoc.com and, and on Twitter, I was worried about a patella tendon rupture, and unfortunately that has been confirmed. Now that means surgery, the end of the season, and quite honestly, that's a blow to the 49ers. He's their center, their play caller on the offensive line. And uh, that's going to be a tight timeline if he can make it for week one. Oh, another bad running back injury I forgot since it was the Sunday night game. Rashad Penny has been confirmed with what we feared, which is the ACL tear. Uh, just when the San Diego State kid really started to round into form here for the Seahawks, he's out. And that's also going to be a tight timeline for a week one return next season. So that really is too bad there. On kickers, it's the end of an era, maybe. Adam Vinatieri having a knee scope. He's uh, not going to play the rest of the year. And he's currently the oldest player in the NFL. This finally might be the end for him. And uh, the new oldest player in the NFL will then be Tom Brady, DB12. And uh, defensive issues, D Ford with a hamstring. Richard Sherman with a hamstring as well, two 49ers players. I think both of them are likely going to be shut down for the regular season. Based on the ha- uh, the recurrent hamstring for D Ford, the new hamstring, grade two, moderate hamstring for Richard Sherman. Very important for a DB to be able to react and use his hamstring. I think it makes some sense to shut him down for the regular season to get him ready for the 49ers playoffs. And they look good in beating the, the Saints there. Gerard Davis with an ankle issue with the uh, Lions. 
He had a high ankle sprain to start out the year. Luke Keekley was fine with the leg whip. Ryan Kerrigan, he had, what, a, a long streak of uh, games at linebacker that was broken when he had the concussion and didn't return. Now he exits with a calf injury. Quite honestly, his season may be over. Uh, you know, when your team's out of it and uh, out of the playoffs um, and you're not 100%, makes sense to potentially uh, shut it down a little bit there. Well, I tried not to take too long with the rundown today, but there's certainly a long, long list of injuries. They even skipped over a, a couple of the more minor ones. Let's see, to, to circle back, T.Y. Hilton at wide receiver may be a ways away from playing still with his calf. Juju is another week or two away. A.J. Green may never make it back this season. Adam Thielen, I think the Vikings are going to maybe try and get him back for week 16 versus the Packers and week 17 versus the Bears. I'm not sure he's playing this coming week. And uh, Paris Campbell, uh, some bad luck uh, where he just got back from his hand fracture, and now he's on injury reserve for a foot fracture. Anyone else that we're forgetting here, Greg? We ran through a long list of people. Uh, we may not have updates on them, but I know that there were a couple guys on the Eagles that went out on Monday night. Oh, football. yeah, the the fresh one. Yeah, the fresh ones. Just by eyesight, let's talk about the – thank you for reminding me. The good news, Miles Sanders returned to play, so I think he's fine with his some leg issue. Jalen Mills with his arm elbow, left arm elbow, returned to play. The two that are not so good for the Eagles, even though they they did look so good, but then they still got the victory in the end. But Lane Johnson, clearly a high ankle sprain. They said ankle questionable, and then he was ruled out. Lane Johnson likely still isn't playing next week. It's not a guarantee he returns this season. That seemed to be at least a moderate high ankle sprain. He's as tough as they come. He's currently the highest paid at his position. But uh, I think he's going to be out for a little bit. And then the bad one, uh, I don't know that it's been confirmed yet. But in game, you know, he limped off non-contact. And the team announced foot questionable. I took a look at the video, and I hope I don't eat crow on this. I mean, look, I, well, I take that back. I hope I do. I hope I'm wrong because my thoughts are not positive on Alshon Jeffrey. To me, that's not a foot questionable. Uh, I tweeted and at the dot com site said uh, that looks like an Achilles rupture to me. And of course, that would end his season. He would need surgery. And heck, it might end his career too. Hopefully, I'm wrong. The team clearly said foot questionable and then was later, later ruled out. And if it does turn out to be Achilles, and I hope I'm wrong, and I'll admit it if I am, but if it is Achilles, the team isn't going to get fined for saying foot. Look, in hockey, they say lower body or upper body. You don't have to say Achilles. You don't have to give the body part. You just have to give the general area. So if it really is Achilles and you said foot or you said ankle or you said leg, that would pass mustard for injury reporting, especially in-game there. So hopefully that won't be true. But thanks for reminding me, Greg. That's uh, Alshon Jeffrey there. Hopefully uh, by the time people hear this, that will be debunked instead of confirmed, but we'll see. Anyone else that I'm forgetting there? Nope, now we've got them. <laughs> now we got them all. So all we have left is the Beast of the Week here. 
I got to give it to someone who we haven't seen a lot of yet, but he's had one heck of a rookie campaign, one heck of a tough rookie campaign. I got to give the beast of the week to Paris Campbell. Look at what this kid's been through with the Colts, their wide receiver. He started in the preseason with a hamstring issue and missed time. Then he had a sports hernia type surgery and missed some games. Then he came back and then he broke his hand. Not good for a wide receiver. Had surgery. Sunday, week 14, makes it back on a pretty quick turnaround from his hand fracture. Catches three passes. But some point during the day, the game breaks his foot. He's now on injured reserve. So he went hammy, hernia, hand, and then broken foot. But he's a beast of week because I hope he will persevere. I think he will. But apparently he played most of the game on a broken foot. So he probably got a fifth metatarsal stress fracture, continued to try and get it out and play, probably because he didn't want the injury-prone label. So we're not going to give it to him. But look at what he's been through, and he still tried to play through on a broken foot, and now he's on injured reserve. Not because he tried to play through, but because it just isn't feasible to be effective, and he just needs to get right and return next year. But I thought that was worthy of a Beast of the Week designation. If you've been through all that and you're still trying to play through and you try and do so on a broken foot when you really can't, and now you're an injured reserve. So Paris Campbell is our Beast of the Week. All right, Greg, always fun uh, chatting with you, and uh, I hope everyone enjoyed that special Seau Shop with a Jock segment. On to Week 15. Uh, continuation of fantasy football playoffs, profootballdoc.com, Facebook, Instagram, etc. And look forward to chatting again with everyone. We'll uh, next week. We'll probably share some of our New York experiences. I'm going to do some things out there. Uh, visit some guys, my friends at SiriusXM. I'm going to make a Bleacher Report visit with Adam Lefko. I'm going to make a CBS appearance with the DA show and some other things. So we're going to do some work, have some fun out there and uh, with the family and Rockefeller Center. And uh, we'll uh, catch up with you all next week for the next edition of the ProFootball.podcast. Thanks for listening.